Australian history, our first goal. This is the Originals Podcast. I'm Sam Lane, and thank you for tuning in. In this fourth episode of Series 2, we meet Ellie McKenzie, who holds the status of number one young woman Aussie rules footballer in Australia. Ellie was the top pick of the last AFL Women's League National Draft. Yep, that's serious sporting status that in this life and times is only growing with every passing year. Before we meet Ellie, a soundbite take on why this podcast exists. The Originals is being made to help record a landmark happening for all time. Say what? I'll fill you in. When the most supported sports club in Sports Mad Australia fields an elite women's team for the first time, it has super meaningful ripple effects. That's what happened when the Australian Football League's present-day powerhouse club entered the AFL's elite competition for women in 2020. That club is the Richmond Tigers. A club that boasts more paid-up members than any other in Australia. A club that has existed for 136 years and up until last year had only ever been a home for fully-fledged or hopeful male sporting champions. Last year, Richmond Football Club became inclusive in a way it was previously not able to. It did this by gaining entry to the AFL's AFL Women's Competition, a national league that was launched in 2017. Now that Richmond has an AFLW licence and team, grown women can play under the AFL's banner representing the famous yellow and black. Young girls can now do more than merely dream about following in their bootsteps. There are 13 episodes of the originals already banked. You'll find them all wherever you get your podcasts and on richmondfc.com.au. I'm so happy to say that this second series of the originals has a sponsor. It's Wise Employment, which exists to help people who have employment barriers, including mental illness and disability, find meaningful work. Find out more at wiseemployment.com.au or call 1-800-685-105. Now, drumroll please before the outline of our subject today, Ellie McKenzie. Ellie is the footballer that every club wants, but that Richmond won. The Tigers did this by recruiting Ellie with the first pick of the last AFLW draft. That was October 2020. Ellie was 17. On draft day, Ellie promptly burst into tears. Check out our posts about this episode to relive this big and beautiful outburst of emotion. Ellie tells me in this pod why she was so overcome on draft day, what was going on for her on the inside. And it relates to pressure and expectation as much as it does to joy. There's so much more in the next half hour. Ellie's path to AFLW that wasn't free of gender discrimination. The great influence of her mum, dad and brother Tom, who was a listed player at North Melbourne, was injured, cut and heartbroken, but is now hopeful of joining his young sister back in the AFL frame. Ellie's a midfielder who's also very handy up forward. She idolises Katie Brennan, Luke Hodge and Sam Mitchell. And if you've watched Richmond in the opening three rounds of AFLW 2021, you cannot have missed her. In other words, she's already flying. So let's meet her. 
it is so nice to be looking down the barrel of a computer screen. I wish we were in person, Ellie, but I've been so looking forward to meeting you and this is the next best thing on Zoom. So welcome to the originals. Oh, thank you for having me. Tell us about your day so far. It's it's midweek, it's just after 4pm. What has the number one draft pick of the latest AFLW draft done since she woke up? What time does she even wake up? Well, not too much. I don't do much these days. So um, today I actually had a school visit. So I went back to my old school and um, did a bit of an interview in front of kind of an assembly. So that was nice to go back there. And um, I've just been kind of doing little chores here and there throughout the day and then come into the club around four. So um, it's been a pretty chill day. Tell us then by contrast a year ago. So before you was sitting um, with the apparel that you've got on now, which is a, a Richmond uh, T-shirt that says loud and clear that you are an AFLW player and a part of one of the most famous clubs uh, in the AFL full stop. A year ago, uh, if I'd asked you the same thing, what had you done uh, on a midweek day and it was roughly four o'clock, what, what do you think your life would have been like then? Um, I suspect it would have probably consisted of school. I would have woken up maybe six o'clock, gone into school early to do a bit of a gym session and maybe a bit of a kick around um, and then had school throughout the day and I'd probably be on my way to Northern Knights training um, after school, which is usually how it worked. So I think my days were probably a bit busier back then, really. Um, But as you said, definitely a massive contrast to kind of what my day to day is now. You finished year 12 at the end of last year. What school were you at and what kind of subjects and areas of study most appealed to you? Um, I was at Maribyrnong Secondary College, so I was a part of the Sports Academy there, which really helped set me up for kind of where I am now. Um, I think my subjects were a bit all over the place, really. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I still probably don't know um, at the moment. So I did, I think, history, um, psychology, a bit of maths, a bit of English... Um, a few other kind of random subjects in there. It was, yeah, a bit all over the place, but I kind of just thought I'd dip my foot in every kind of pond and see which thing I enjoyed the most and um, kind of go from there. So, yeah. How did you find Year 12? I mean, I'm a thousand times older than you and I still get the shivers when I think about Year 12 and the exams and just that you never... It was like a backpack that you just couldn't take off. Yeah, I definitely relate to that, um, especially with COVID kind of happening. It it just made the whole year so much more stressful. We were at home for, I think, almost three terms, um, maybe close to two, but we were at home doing online school. We had all our classes on Zoom and like we're doing right now. And um, it was really difficult, I think, for a lot of people who weren't self-motivated. Um, not having that teacher kind of over your shoulder and pushing you to be your best um, was hard for a lot of people. I was really thankful that I kind of felt a bit more independent and I kind of liked the set up at home, get all my work done in the morning kind of thing and then kind of do a bit of training maybe later and have the rest of my day to myself. So I think for me, I kind of enjoyed it, um, but I know it was definitely very difficult for a lot of people and obviously exams is something that no one wants to be doing. Um, but I was lucky to get through that. I had all my exams in one week as well, which was really hard. Um, maybe good to get them out of the way, but, but yeah, made it out the other side, thank God. 
did you decide to apply for anything in terms of further study? Because I've talked to a few people who have finished Year 12 and they've just said, look, while the world is like it is, they're not up for starting their university life or further study life on Zoom. It doesn't feel right to them, so they're waiting and they're getting work experience. Where are you sitting with that? I got a spot in um, the Bachelor of Business at Swinburne. So I'm looking to do that part-time. I think that would be a better way to kind of settle into uni life and see what it's like, as well as kind of balancing footy as well um, with uni starting kind of halfway through the AFLW season, I think. So I thought that might be a good kind of contrast to have. And given that I'm not really doing much um, with my time anyway, I thought it would be a good way to kind of spend my time and I think looking for a part-time job maybe after the season will be something on my radar, but, yeah. Have you had part-time work? Did you did you juggle work during study? Have you been a, you know, terrible barista or a great one? I have not. I've never had a job um, before coming here, if you would call this a job, I guess. Um, pretty thankful <laughs> that my parents looked after me well and they didn't really force me to go kind of get a part-time job and pay for myself at home um so it was really good to have them kind of support me and my brother as well he kind of took the same option as well through year 12 and um given that year 12 is such a big year I thought maybe focus on footy focus on school and kind of um leave those two things as my biggest focus and um look for work maybe after school paint the picture for last year because as I understand it I mean it was it was virtually cancelled and so you were just unable to do that thing that you most wanted to do at the time where it probably felt most important because you were going to be wishing and hoping and dreaming that actually what happened would happen, which is that you'd be drafted into the AFLW. But just go back to that and I'm sure you'll have the perspective that, you know, around the world there were far more serious um, challenges and, and people... Uh, losing loved ones and like horrendous things happening in ICU etc but in your little lunchbox and we've been so lucky in Australia how did it affect uh, your ability to enjoy um, something that you are most passionate about? Yeah it was definitely very difficult as you said I'm really thankful that no one I know was impacted from COVID so I had that at, um, at least and I guess we played three rounds in NAB League um, in Victoria and um, three really good games for my team. We were on a really good roll and it looked like we were um, a chance to maybe get to that grand final, maybe a premiership as well. So um, after that round three game, kind of got the message from one of the coaches, just sent it to our group chat and said, look, we're going to have to postpone the season. At that time they said postpone. So there was still a bit of hope. Um, And obviously we know that (laughs) that was kind of cancelled in the end. So it was hard kind of not having that thing yeah, that I loved so much and not being able to balance my school life and footy, I think was something that I found difficult um, because, you know, having school obviously is a big, big task, a big part of your life. And it's good to kind of come away from school and um, have a run around with your friends and kick the footy and enjoy yourself and kind of wind down from that. So I think that was something that, um, yeah, I struggled with. And I know a lot of my teammates did as well. And um, for me, someone who's a big footy head, um, I live and breathe footy. So um, it was definitely very difficult and knowing it was my draft year as well was a bit of a stress. Um, just not knowing what was going to happen. I guess the unexpected was the thing that was so difficult for so many of us. So 
um, I was lucky that I had my brother. We could train at home and um, have a kick with him and um, kind of do all my gym stuff at home and kind of, yeah, it was it was pretty hard, but um, managed to get through it and um, got here now. So, yeah, very thankful for this whole experience. It's definitely put a lot of things into perspective. Your brother, Tom, was a rookie at North Melbourne. Your dad played footy, uh, I think, in amateur level in Victoria. But what, aside from them, well, maybe they're in your first footy memory, but what is that earliest sort of feeling of footy that you have? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I think I think probably Auskick. Um, I would have been maybe six or seven. I think that's the earliest time I can remember running around in a little Hawthorne jumper um, with all the boys. And I think at that time there was a few girls there as well. So um, I definitely remember running around and um, that was probably my first taste of footy. And I think maybe my next memory would be the 2008 grand final. Um, My family's all massive Hawthorne supporters. So we all went down to that and um, obviously we won that. So that was a pretty good memory as well. And um, kind of, gave me a taste of what success would be like so um that was really enjoyable and kind of went from there I guess you were the second woman in the history of the universe to register at the Fitzroy Football Club what prompted that I think probably following in my brother's footsteps I think as a young girl and still now um he was someone I kind of looked up to and I kind of wanted to be like him so it was kind of oh like Tom's playing footy I should go play footy as well um, and dad obviously encouraged it, him being a big footy head as well. So, um, yeah, um, that Auskick pathway kind of sent me straight into Fitzroy and um, just started playing with the boys from there. Tom was on his path and had a very clear route to where he was going. You know, he was going to aspire to be at an AFL club where any young boy, man could aspire to be and see the path. You couldn't see that path because it didn't exist yet. Yep. Do you remember what you felt about that? I think early on I wasn't really aware of it. Um, I think I was just enjoying playing footy um, when I was playing with the boys. As a 10-year-old, I think I was just enjoying it and having fun and running around and kicking a ball was all I really cared about at, the, at that time. So I think, yeah, I didn't really... I don't think I really processed that was kind of the case until maybe a bit later. Um, I remember this one specific time where a Herald Sun came out in um, on the kitchen table and um, there was a girl who was playing for Essendon. Um, I think it was just a club, like a local club. Um, but to me, I thought it was like the Essendon AFL. And I was like, oh, mum, look, like girls can play in the AFL. And then mum kind of had to tell me, look, like there's not really a pathway for you. You can't. You can't really play in the men's league. Um, So I think that would have been maybe around 11 or 12, that kind of, I really knew that, oh, I can't really go anywhere with my footy. So that was a bit um, disheartening and I didn't really know what to do with myself from there, but I was lucky that they announced that the AFLW was coming along pretty soon. So yeah, very thankful for that. Yeah. Oh, something just went Zoom. So... Do you really vividly remember that day and feeling, I mean, is it too much to say you felt crushed? It was definitely, I think, a feeling of being crushed and um, kind of all my dreams going out the window pretty much. But you kept playing. Why? I think 
there was a few girls older than me that I saw playing in um, my local league and I thought um, that I could still do that. So why not, I guess, keep playing? And if I'm enjoying it, I might as well just keep keep going. And um, Fitzroy were really supportive of me. Um, I think at, at that age, I was probably the only girl um, at the club. So they were really supportive of me throughout the whole kind of pathway that I was involved in. And um, yeah, lucky enough that AFLW kind of came about right in time for me. So I was able to kind of work towards that um, as a young girl and grow up and see if I could kind of aspire to that. Did you encounter any days, hard days on the field where you were the different one and it was made known to you? Definitely. I think early on um, the boys hadn't really played against a girl before. So I remember a few of my early games as an um, an eight or nine year old, I'd get the ball and they kind of not know whether to go and tackle me or not because they were like, oh, where do we tackle? Like, what do we do? So I think early on I got a bit of free range and I could run and take a few bounces before they'd actually tackle me, which was nice. Um, but I think they quickly became very comfortable with me playing um, as we all just grew up. And um, there were times where a few of the boys would throw around, oh, you're playing on the girl or something like that. Um, just little comments like that that I'd get maybe a little bit upset with, but I think I'd more take it as a, a way of kind of getting frustrated and angry and use that anger towards my footy and um, try and tackle them as hard as I can and um, get a bit of payback almost. So, um, yeah, I think there were tough times, but um, my team were always really supportive of me, so that was good. Did it ever trouble you what you're experiencing from the other side um you know from your opponents did it ever trouble you to the extent that you thought I don't want to do this why am I doing this I don't think so I think um those little comments I mean they did they did hurt me a little bit but I thought you know I'm really enjoying playing footy it's probably my favorite thing to do in the whole world um so I just thought I'd keep going keep playing and Um, My coaches were always really um, supportive of me and um, always giving me game time and things like that, not really kind of disadvantaging me um, because I was a girl. So um, I did feel kind of one of the team um, in my in my team. So um, I didn't really feel different in that team. So I think that really helped me kind of keep playing. And maybe if my team had been really nasty to me, it would have been a different story. But um, yeah, I'm really thankful that they supported me. You were supported and no doubt from the sounds and, and looks of your family that you had that uh, sense that your football dreams, whatever they were going to look like, were as supported as those of your brother Tom. Tell me about your relationship with Tom and him joining North and, you know, were you intensely jealous? Were you soaking it all up like a sponge? Yeah, Tom and I, are, we're really close. I guess we bonded really well over footy. That's something we've had in common and other sports as well. Growing up, we both played cricket and we always just kind of wanted to be a part of whatever sport was kind of happening at school and um, things like that. So I think that was something we're really able to bond over and we still bond over now. So um, seeing him get drafted was amazing. He's one of the most hardworking people I know. So um, it was just such a credit to all his hard work he'd put in and I think for me, watching him get drafted, um, as much as it was a relief for the whole family, it made me kind of even more hungry to to kind of reach that goal for me. Um, seeing him um, coming in and out of the house from training and telling us about his day, 
um, really drove me to kind of get to that position as well. So, um, yeah, he's always been a great kind of role model for me and I've been able to pick his brain and kind of ask him um, how's it, how it was at um, North. Obviously, he's not there now. So um, he's been able to draw on that and kind of pass it on to me as well. So, um, yeah, he's been really good in part of my footy journey and in life as well. He's a living, breathing example of, of so many male footy stories in the AFL that I think the average lifespan, if I can put it that crudely, is only actually a couple of years. We have this idea that everyone joins an AFL club and they've made it. Uh, it's just not the case. What has his experience in footy taught you? As you said, I guess people think once you get to AFL, it's kind of you're there and you're just a part of the team and you're there for whatever, 15 years and you have a big, long career and it's great, but it's not the reality. And I guess we kind of um, got to experience the ruthlessness of the AFL system through Tom. So um, he was really unfortunate in having a, um, a stress fracture in his back and he wasn't able to kind of play and train um, throughout most of his 18-year-old year um, at, or I guess, 19-year-old year at North. Um, I think he played one half of a VFL game and that was it for the year. And they kind of sat down with him at the end of the year and said there wasn't a position for him on the on the list anymore. And um, obviously he was pretty heartbroken. That was his dream as it is mine. We're both pretty similar, similar in that respect. So he was pretty crushed. And um, But having said that, he's bounced back really quickly and um, he's even more motivated to get to that level again and um, I think he's a really great example of resilience and um, he's been really diligent with his running and his and his pre-season work and he's really fit now and he's ready to go. He hasn't played footy for two years now so I think he just he can't wait to get on the field again and kind of maybe prove some people wrong and also just kind of I guess have that experience again, have some fun playing footy. So yeah, he's been a, a great kind of example of resilience for me and what that looks like so it's good to look up to him for sure how old is he and who's he going to play for this year he's turning 21 this year um and he's playing with Coburg VFL so I think a few of his Northern Knights friends from back in the day are, are there and he had a few connections so um I think he's gone down there with the aim of playing in the midfield and hopefully getting a good run and kind of seeing where that takes him so I, he's really excited about that Ellie, how much is he training you and what do you guys do together? Do you have any routines? Um, I wouldn't say we have any routines together, but I guess when the whole COVID situation happened, we had a bit of a routine together then. We'd get up and do our running together or go have a kick or something like that, really simple. Um, I think now the routine is after I play a game, I'll kind of come home and talk to Dad and him about the game and ask them how I went and what they think I could improve on. So um, him and dad have been really good with, I guess, kind of giving me advice and giving me their words of wisdom and um, helping me improve. So um, they're always really involved in my footy, which I really love. You've been very kind to him. I mean, (laughs) surely there's something on this podcast that you'd just like to put out there. Um, What's his worst habit? What's the thing that annoys you the most? His worst habit? Um... At home recently, he's not been contributing in washing the dishes at home, and it's really frustrating me. Um, no, it's fine. <laughs> he he's um he's really great. Um, as I said before, he's just such a great role model. So, um, I'm very happy that he's <laughs> at home with me. <laughs> yeah, 
hopefully he hears it. It is out there. <laughs> it is out there, Tom. That is, um, that is not coming off the <laughs> Just a short pause here to tell you about the first sponsor of the Originals podcast. It's Wise Employment, a Melbourne-based, Australian-owned, not-for-profit organisation that's been helping Australians for nearly 30 years. Wise's ultimate vision is to inspire, transform and enable people to realise their potential. Wise pushes for diversity and inclusion in Australian workplaces and it helps people with employment barriers like mental illness and disability to find meaningful work. WISE's partnership with Richmond's AFLW team is motivated by WISE Employment's particular dedication to supporting women athletes and empowering women in all aspects of life. WISE has a Richmond office and over 100 others across Victoria, New South Wales, Tasmania, South Australia, Queensland and the Northern Territory. The friendly team at WISE Employment would love to meet you and discuss how they can help you find employment or help find the right fit for your team. Visit wiseemployment.com.au or call 1800 685 105 and tell them, if you like, that you heard about WISE thanks to the Richmond Footy Club and the Originals podcast. I will just take you back to um, something that happened after you were announced as the number one pick of the 2020 AFLW draft. And that is that you did your first television interview. It was live. You were sitting on a couch at home. You had mum and dad there and Tom, but something was not really going right and you were involved in a highly technical, slightly awkward scenario with the AFL 360, Jerry Waitley and and Mike Robinson. Just bring back to life what on earth was going on there. It was definitely very awkward. So I... My manager had her phone. She had the interview on her phone. And um, we were trying to hear, I guess, just through the phone speaker. And it was really quiet. So I was like, oh, we'll put in the AirPods so I can hear. And then they're talking to me. And then um, you can kind of see Dad's leg, like, in the corner of the video. But the the camera was on me at the start. And um, they're talking to me. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, um, Dad, like, and you played footy as a kid and growing up. And then they've put the camera to him and he can't hear anything that's being said. So... I had to translate the whole thing to my dad. And then when my mum was talking as well, I had to translate to her as well. So it was a little bit awkward, but I think we made the most of the situation despite the technical difficulties. You nailed it. I rewatched it and, you know, you definitely kind of put your hair behind your ears. And I thought she is so clever because she's trying to show Jared and Robbo that she's got earpods in and they should know therefore that, the people around her can't hear, but you did a you did a brilliant job. Uh, prior to that, your life changes because forevermore you're you're going to be the first draft pick of that 2020 AFLW draft. What's your most vivid memory? I think um, well, a lot of people would have seen me bawling my eyes out as soon as my name got read out. Um, a pretty infamous video, um, but I think for me. When my name got read out, it was more relief. Um, just knowing that kind of the stress of it was kind of over in a sense. Um, that week and I guess that whole year had been such a build up to that moment and a lot of stress and kind of I had a lot of expectation on myself of I wanted to be kind of the best junior footy player in, I guess, Australia. Um, that was something that I'd been really working towards. I just wanted to kind of be the best. Um, and I was lucky that Richmond kind of... Um, 
saw something in me and um, they really wanted um, me to be a part of their team. So I'm really happy that they did pick me. And um, I think, yeah, the most vivid kind of memory of that night would be watching that, like watching that live stream and being next to my mum and dad and kind of my name being read out and then just kind of sighing like, oh, relief. Um, it's kind of, I've made it, you know. So those tears, now that you, you've got a bit of distance from them, I guess, you mentioned the stress. Were you built up, overwhelmed, um, stressed about the stress or pressure of being number one? Did that did that affect you in, in the countdown to draft day? Um, I think it was more how people would say to me, kind of, oh, you're going number one. And I would kind of think well, if that doesn't happen, then it's a lot of kind of, there's a lot of expectation on me to be number one. And if I don't get picked, then kind of what does that say about me? Um, but having said that, if I was to be pick 80, I would not care. It's just, I would want to be a part of an A4W club and that's my dream. So if I, if I was pick 80 or whatever the last pick was in the draft, I would be completely fine with that. But I think given the position I was in, it was pretty stressful and knowing that there were a lot of people who kind of expected me to be that number one um, was definitely yeah. difficult and it was good um, kind of having that um, raw emotion come out. Katie Brennan is your captain now at Richmond. Was she already the player that you idolised the most from a distance in the AFLW? Yeah, definitely. And I think <laughs> a few of the girls have given me a bit of stick over how much I've pumped up Katie, but... Yeah, I think I'll never stop saying how um, great of a footballer she is and how great of a person she is as well. And I think growing up, um, when I finally had that kind of pathway of knowing that I could get to the AFLW if I really tried my best, um, it was good to kind of look up to her as a player. I think it's kind of similar to my style in terms of um, forward leading and um, going a bit in the midfield as well. So I kind of looked up to her and her professionalism as well that she brought and um, I know that she's yeah a great person to be around and she really lifts our team and um, as a captain I couldn't pick anyone better so um, it's been pretty cool to kind of train alongside her and yeah as you said kind of train alongside my idol so um, hopefully the girls don't give me more stick over saying that. I would say probably her resilience obviously we saw her um, kind of copper a, a, a ban um, in the tribunal and missing that grand final and um, she's still able to bounce back from that. That's a massive setback. And um, she's had a few, I guess, injuries as well. And I think her dedication to rehab and her dedication to um, hitting the gym and um, also doing all that preseason running and everything that you need to do to kind of be at your best, I think that's something that I've um, really looked up to and I've tried to implement in my kind of sporting life as well. Um, don't know how well it's going um, compared to her, but, um, yeah, I think her resilience and her, yeah, her commitment to trying to be the best athlete she can possibly be is really something that's very inspiring to the rest of the team and the rest of the AFLW, really. When you, I guess, think about the traits that you most admire in footballers, what, knowing your own skills better than anybody, would you like to aspire to be? Um, that's a really tough question. <laughs> um, I think... Growing up, I always looked up to um, people like Luke Hodge and Sam Mitchell um, as I was being a big Hawthorne supporter. So I think I really looked up to the leaders of the group and that'd be something I'd be really interested in pursuing, um, possibly getting in a, a, the leadership group in a few years down the track and 
um, maybe even a vice captain or captain role even further down. I think that's something that I um, really need to work on, um, my leadership skills. And I know that that'll help develop me as a footballer as a whole as well. So I think that'll be something I'll look toward um, trying to get involved more and um, helping, I guess, the younger girls who come through after me as well, um, steering them in the right direction. So I think that's probably something I'll look for in the future. And last one, you've played two AFLW games now at the time that we're recording this. The first one was on Punt Road. Could you just describe to the audience what that day was like? Yeah, it's definitely a day I'll never forget. Um, Running out onto that field with all the girls was so surreal and I think the crowd was only um, just under a thousand, but it felt way more than that. Um, it felt really big, and they were they were cheering very loud, and it was kind of all in my face, and I was really nervous. I don't think I've ever been that nervous before a game before, um, and I think that probably showed in um, the first centre bounce. I was a bit a bit touchy, but um, I think yeah, the girls were really great at kind of getting me involved in the game, and um, they were all pumping me up and um, Luca as well who debuted with me Um, it was good to have her kind of by my side and we can share the experience together so um, that made it a bit more um, I guess less nervous we were a bit less nervous knowing that we had each other Um, but yeah it was great and um, I think I eventually got into the game a bit more after the nerves had kind of subsided and um, managed to get my, my, my hands on the ball and um, that was nice and got my confidence up a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's a great experience. One I'll never forget, probably one of the best days of my life. And, um, yeah, I was so grateful to kind of run out and be um, one of the first teams in a while of Richmond to play on Punt Road. So um, that was pretty cool making history as well. You sure did. Uh, you made her street, all of you. And I think it'll be the first of many, many, many more to come and it'll be just a delight to watch you fly and do all the things that you aspire to already, but more than that. Thank you so much for joining us today and and good luck. Thank you so much, Sam. Really appreciate it. I'm Sam Lane, writer and co-producer of The Originals, working with the superstar support of Richmond's excellent digital team. Special thanks Matt Collada, Ian Gall, Bilal Lali, Elizabeth Yor and Josh Berryman. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, if you're into this, the first 10-part series of The Originals is already banked. We had long-form chats with Katie Brennan, Mon Conti and Sabrina Frederick, just to name a few. You'll find these waiting to be downloaded wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, we sign off with the Richmond figurehead who signs off like nobody else. Over to you, Richmond President Peggy O'Neill. Go Tigers!